Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. I'm so honored and so thankful to be here uh, this morning. I cannot believe it. Mama, I made it. I'm at the local church. Awesome. I'm, again, so honored, uh, again, to be here and I just love you guys so much. And, I mean, your church has invested tremendously in Legacy Church and uh, Pastor Eric and his wife, uh, Jessica, dear friends of ours. I know, obviously, Pastor Johnny, Pastor Gar, and just a number of the pastors and staff. uh, You all are in great hands uh, at this church, and so I certainly just want to honor you. Uh, Pastor Eric and I met uh, probably a little bit over two years ago, and... I mean, he's just, again, been a really good friend. Uh, He changed my life. I just wanted to say this this morning. He changed my life two years ago. Um, He sends me text messages, encouragement, you know, on, you know, Sunday evenings, uh, fields a lot of my prayer requests. But two years ago, here's what he actually did to change my life. He introduced me to Korean barbecue. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. And so uh, my life has never been the same. And I'm so thankful, and this is just such an amazing honor and privilege. I am also very privileged to have my wife of 16 years. She's here with me. Just, babe, just wave your hand. I'm so thankful for you. 16 years, six kids. Ladies, all natural, six kids. So she did it. She is crazy. Crazy. And that's a little bit, you know, Carson was talking a little bit before I came out about, obviously, you know, us having the six kids. Uh, that is a church growth strategy. That has very little um, to do with anything other than how do we feel a church plant when a church plant's getting, you know, the average church in America, I don't know if y'all knew this, the average church in America is 75 people. And so with our family of eight, we're 10% of the way there. So uh, that, that's a little bit, but I think, I think we're done, right, boo? I think we have been faithful and multiplied. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to give a very special shout out to the Everglades Correctional Facility and our church familia. Can we just give it up for them, all of our family that's joined us online, to our Everglades Correctional Facility. We're so thankful that you're here this morning and certainly just honored uh, to be here. I won't delay it. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's turn this morning to Mark, the fifth chapter. Mark, the fifth chapter, and we're going to be reading today verses 25 through 34. See, I'm old school, so I hear pages turning. That just kind of just makes me feel good. Get ready to preach. And when you get there, say, I'm here. All right, Mark, the fifth chapter. Uh, We're going to start at verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and she came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if I touch his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flood of, the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you you see the crowd pressing all around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. 
But the woman, knowing what had happened, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. I want to speak to us this morning from the topic, uh, three characteristics of bold faith. I want to speak to you this morning from the title or the topic, three characteristics of bold faith. Would you pray with me? Let's ask the Lord to bless our time. Uh, Our God and our Father, we bless you and we honor you. This is certainly the day that you have made and we choose today to rejoice and to be glad in it. And Father, I just pray, I want you to move me out of the way. Spirit of God, would you do your work? Would you open up our eyes so that we can hear the word? Would you open up our hearts so that we can receive it with joyfulness and thanksgiving, uh, that we can apply the word of God to our life? Lord, we're so thankful for this house, the local church, the pastors and the leaders and the staff and the members and the partners of this church. And Lord, we're just asking that you would Do your work in our midst as you always do. Glorify your son. Make much of Jesus in this moment. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen and amen. Well, local church, I want to um, kind of bring you a little bit into some of our holiday traditions. Uh, Obviously, you all know. Actually, just real quick, I'll just put a picture of our uh, family, uh, our six kids, and my wife. I know my wife's here. I think my daughter, Shania, is in... um, She's in the room as well, but I just want to show you guys a little bit of a picture of our six kids. Uh, it's, it's a rack of these jokers. I mean, it's a, it's a lot, of, lot of kids. So Shania's 12. Uh, we got Silas, Sawyer, Stephen, Shaw, and Shaden. Uh, and Shaden is the littlest one. And um, I mean, y'all know holiday pictures. I mean, that, that is as chill as it was during that particular time. It was seven o'clock in the morning. I'm so thankful for them. I want to invite y'all in just to some of our holiday traditions. My daughter, who is 12, going on 20, somebody say, we with you, Pastor, 12 going on 20, she came to me on November 11th. And again, we love the holiday season, my daughter especially. And she said, "Uh, Dad, can we put up the Christmas tree on November 11th? And I didn't know what to do, y'all. I was... I didn't know. Did anybody have put up a tree on November 11th? Any early folks? Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Okay. Shania, you're not by yourself. But she came to me on November 11th. She said, Dad, I'm feeling like I'm in the Christmas spirit. Can we put up the Christmas tree on November 11th? And y'all, listen, I, I'm trying as best as I can to be a good dad. And I just felt in my spirit, it was just too early. I just felt it's a little bit too early. November 11th. Traditionally, y'all, everybody knows traditionally, you don't put up the Christmas tree traditionally until when? after Thanksgiving. That's when most people put up the Christmas tree. And so I talked to my wife and said, babe, it just feels like a little, little bit too early. Let's wait a few weeks. The tree is officially up now. Um, and so around my house, the holiday season, it's just, it's a fun time. I mean, we, you know, we've got my, my, Mariah Carey playing in the background. Man, our Spotify list is, is already kind of playing a lot of Christmas music. And we're just kind of bumping and jamming. But here's something else that I learned throughout the holiday season is that the holiday season is not always a good time for people. It's, it's, it's a time that can be stressful. It's a time that can bring some anxiety. It's often a time, and this is one of the things that I learned uh, through uh, just kind of the place where I get all of my information, Twitter. Um, 
again, millennial. I'm an old millennial, not young, old millennial. But like, so I get all my information on Twitter. So I was actually, I saw an article a few days ago and it said, it was talking about some of the anxiety that people experience when they're going back home for Thanksgiving. And there are a number of topics, if you don't want to create awkwardness and confusion and anxiety, that you should avoid at the dinner table. So I didn't know about this because I just, I didn't know. And so I looked at that article, read it, and there were a number of topics that they just suggested. If you didn't want to create some awkwardness or some anxiety or just some tension at the dinner table, avoid these topics. Let me just give you a couple that came up in this particular list. The first one uh, was religion. Politics, money, work, food costs, housing market, the pandemic, politics again, energy, inflation, personal finance, the metaverse, economics again, taxes, freedom, privacy, technology, capitalism, and human rights. What in the world are we going to talk about? I mean, that was the list. The list was basically saying, if you don't want to create tension and anxiety, if you don't want to be like that guy or that girl at the table, just avoid these particular topics. Now, again, if you're sitting beside the person that brought up these topics at Thanksgiving, just keep looking forward. They won't know that we're talking about them. But I just, again, kind of looked at that topic. And, and again, essentially what the article was saying is that uh, these are just kind of Again, challenging topics. They, they can kind of isolate you. They can create some tension. They can just, again, you don't have, a, a, you know, you don't always have enough time to kind of parse through meanings and, and, and nuance and all those other types of things. And so I thought a little bit about that article. And then I just, I thought, also thought about the text that we're looking at this morning. Because the woman in this particular text uh, did not bring up these particular items at a Thanksgiving dinner, uh, she lived for 12 years uh, with a particular issue that isolated her from the community. So she wasn't awkward. Like she, she wasn't awkward because of what she brought up. She was awkward and isolated because she had a particular issue. And it says in Mark chapter five is that she had an issue where she had a discharge or a flow of blood for 12 years. And as a result of that issue, here's what it created in her life. It created isolation. She was ritually unclean. Uh, it says in the particular text that she was poor, that she was destitute, that she often inconvenienced other people around her. But what I love about this story is that this outcast, as a result of her faith, catches the attention of Jesus. She catches the attention of Jesus. And so here's, here's what I want to share with you a little bit this morning. And I'm hoping that this would be a word of encouragement to somebody in here that has perhaps experienced a season of discouragement or a season of struggle, or you perhaps often find yourself dealing perhaps with the same issues over and over again, the same struggles, the same addictions. Um, you feel like you're starting and stopping spiritually. I just believe uh, that God has a word for us this morning about bold faith. And I believe this woman in Mark chapter five, she has a number of characteristics in her life that I think that we can emulate and we can learn a, a lot about our Lord from. Uh, so here's, here's the first characteristic. It's in verses 25 through 28. Again, here we're answering the question, three characteristics of bold faith. Here's the first characteristic. Bold faith in verses 25 and 28. Bold faith trusts God in difficult times. 
What does it mean to have bold faith? I believe that every person in here, God's desire in your life is to use you to bless other people and to bring his name glory. I believe if you're in here under the sound of my voice, that God, that's God's desire in, in, in your life is for, for, to grow you, to mature you, to develop you so that when people see you in your life and how you de- dif- deal with difficult circumstances, that the Lord, he gets glory from your life. But it says that bold faith chooses to trust God in difficult circumstances. And we look at the context, the circumstance of this woman's life, this unnamed woman's life, they are difficult. In light of the the crowd, she's unnamed, which probably means she's a person in society that that does not have status. She's a woman also in this particular culture. She's either a widow or she's single, which means that she uh, is often overlooked. But what we see about her faith is that she chooses in the midst of inconvenience to trust God. And so I want to just, again, communicate to us this morning For you and I to be all that God has called for us to be, we need to choose to trust God. Here's a scripture that I want to just commit to you this morning. It's Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and verse 6. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6. The word's going to be on the screen. And it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must first believe that he exists. So what does that tell us a little bit about our life and our faith? It means for us to live with bold faith, we've got to have confidence that God is actually able to do what he says he's able to do. And we see that this woman's life is characterized by that because in light of the inconvenience, in light of what it cost her, in light of what other people thought about her, she chose to draw near to God. And that's what we're doing today, that this is a gathering today where we're asking the Holy Spirit to to fill us and to, and to invest in us and to help the word of God to become alive in our life. This is a part of what it means to draw near to God. God's desire this morning is to, to make the word of God uh, alive and afresh and for you today to leave with some truth that you can apply to your life. So I just want to encourage us in light of this first point is continue in light of difficulty to draw near to God. Continue uh, attending uh, on Sunday mornings. Continue to attend uh, virtually online. Uh, continue to uh, get plugged into connect groups and develop relationships with other believers where you can be sharpened and encouraged together. Continue to remember God in prayer and fellowship with other believers. Continue to serve God faithfully by using your gifts to bless others. Here's what James 4 verse 8 says. James verse 4 excuse me, chapter four, verse eight says, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. The key to you and I persevering when life sometimes doesn't make sense is not giving up on doing the things that the Lord has instructed us to do in his word. I'm so honored uh, by this woman's faith. It says again in verse 26, she says she suffered under many physicians and she had spent all that she had. And and here's here's kind of the travesty of this particular verse. And it says she spent all that she had and she, she did not get better, but she rather grew worse. 
Verse 27 says, she heard about the reports of Jesus and she came up behind him in the crowd. Get this, y'all. She came up behind him in the crowd. There's a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's packed. It's like unlike a Dolphins game because there's not a lot of people there. <laughs> unlike a Dolphins game. And she touches the hem of his garment and the scripture says that immediately she's healed of her affliction. And, and I began to think a little bit about this because perhaps some of you might think, man, well, Jesus, if Jesus was here physically today, um, man, this, this would be good news for me. But I am so thankful that over the last four weeks, Pastor Eric has been preaching through ghost stories. And ghost stories is a reminder to us that we don't need the physical cloak of Jesus here today because guess what? When you become a follower of Jesus, when you place your faith in him, when you, when you uh, express your allegiance to Jesus, guess who Jesus gives you? He gives you the ministry of who? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job and his assignment in your life is that the power and the presence of God will be, man, will be made manifest in your life today. It says that, it says that uh, in verse 30, she says, and in perceiving himself, that power had gone out from him. And so I'm celebrating today that when you and I face difficulties, when you and I face crises of faith, when you and I face situations that we feel are above our pay grade, we've got the ministry of the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to challenge us. If you're taking notes today, I'd love for you to jot down John chapters 14 through 16. John chapters 14 through 16, uh, it gives just a detailed explanation. I know you all have been in it for the last few weeks, but it gives a detailed explanation of the Holy Spirit's ministry in your life. The Holy Spirit delights to help you to glorify God in everything that you do. The Holy Spirit delights to pray for you. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit uh, utters prayers for you on your behalf. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit helps us to, to say um, what the Spirit of God is encouraging us to say. The Holy Spirit's job in our lives is to encourage us when we feel down and out. The first thing that bold faith does is that bold faith trusts God in difficult circumstances. Let me give you my second characteristic of bold faith. Bold, bold faith not only trusts God in difficult circumstances, bold faith encounters opposition. Bold faith encounters opposition. I've read a little bit of the context of uh, what's going on in this unnamed woman's story, but, but here's, what, here's what we got to think about, is when we think about kind of this small community that this woman is a part of, she, uh, everybody in the community knows about her particular issue. Everybody knows that she has the issue. Um, there was likely, obviously, some social disdain. Uh, she's ritually unclean, which means she's not connected to uh, a, a spiritual or faith community. Uh, she's isolated and she's alone. And here's another observation that the Lord gave me is that bold faith often encounters opposition. Uh, and so here's what we got to think about. When bold faith encounters opposition, we realize that one of the primary ways for God to grow us and develop us is for our faith at times to feel tested. It's for us to sometimes find ourselves in difficult situations or difficult circumstances. And I wish that I could tell you that when I became a follower of Jesus at the age of 15, that my life, uh, that I didn't have any more issues, no more challenges, no more circumstances where I was kind of pressed to to love God or to, to press into his word or, or to develop accountable relationships. But here's what I actually found out when I got saved when I was 15. I found out 
uh, that life was often more challenging because I realized I had a target on my back through the enemy. The enemy wanted to take away my testimony. The enemy did not want me to be encouraged to share my faith with other believers. And so I realized that that bold faith often encounters opposition. As you look all throughout the Old Testament and the New, here's what you will see, is that people that were faithful and devoted to God often experience times of challenge. Um, Think about Moses in the Old Testament. Obviously, he's got the issues that he has with Pharaoh and the Red Sea. You think about David and Goliath. Um, You think about Queen Esther. I I mean, just... A number of characters throughout scripture often uh, embodied this particular characteristic. But let me give you the good news of bold faith encountering opposition. That might not sell a lot of books, that bold faith encounters opposition. But let me give you the good news of that, is that bold faith, which encounters opposition, is always an opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. Amen? You've got to know that when you experience seasons of testing, seasons of trial, seasons where things aren't lining up, seasons perhaps where relationships aren't the way that you would hope, finances aren't the way that you hope, you've got to know that God is working behind the scenes to develop you, to mature you. But here's the, here's the other thing which is so important, but, but that your poverty in those situations is actually the most appropriate place where God can show himself strong on your behalf. Amen? As a follower of Christ, I want to live in situations where if God doesn't show up, it won't happen. I don't want to live trying to do everything on my own effort. Uh, I I don't want to live trying to make things happen based on my connections, based on my networking, based on my relationships. I talk to Pastor Eric and I a lot. We serve the Lord through eating uh, uh, Korean barbecue. We suffer for the Lord often. And I love Pastor Eric because he's a man of faith. And Jessica, they're a man and woman of faith. And he often tells me about some of the dreams and some of the aspirations and the hopes that he has for this church. I know he has mentioned a number of times the 25 acres that they believe that God is working behind the scenes even right now. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Amen. That God is working behind the scenes to bring like all of these places together so that you all acquire the land that God wants you to have. I believe that God is working behind the scenes. But, but here's what I also know about Pastor Eric and his faith. He wants God to do it so that God gets all the credit. That's where you want to live in your life. You want to avoid trying to manipulate things and make things happen and kick open doors. I've just learned in my life that if I've got to kick open a door, then it often means that it's not where I need to be. I only want God in my life to open doors that only he can open because when he opens them, then no man can shut them. And so bold faith, it it always gives you an opportunity for God to show himself strong. So when this lady gets healed, everybody in the community knows that it was a supernatural experience. Here's something I want you to consider asking yourself when you feel opposed. Here's just a couple of questions. The first question I want you to consider asking yourself is what in this situation can I learn about the character of God? 
What in this situation can I learn about the character of God? I thought about this in this particular text. When I thought about this particular story, here's what I see about the character of God is that, is that Jesus turns his attention to those who, who people often overlook. It's counterculture. The word in which we live is the word in which we live is all about power and prestige and prominence. But here's what we see in this particular text is that Jesus, in the midst of the crowd, pays attention to the woman who demonstrated a heart of faith towards him. So I want you to consider in your situations, in your struggles, in your challenges, I want you to consider as I find myself in this struggle, Lord, is there something I can learn about your character? Here's another question I want you to consider. Lord, what are you trying to develop in me? As I face this difficulty, I want you to write down, I mean, this is just good for everybody, Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It's the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to ask yourself as you encounter difficulty and trial or, or circumstance in your life, say, okay, Lord, what fruit of the Spirit are you hoping to develop me? Is it love? Is it joy? Is it peace? Is it patience? Is it kindness? Is it faithfulness? Is it gentleness? Is it self-control? Lord, what are you trying to develop me? And here's, here's, this is actually, this will mess you up. If you pray this, sometimes people pray for patience. Guess how God develops patience in you? He sends people around you that wear you out. That's how he develops patience in you. He, he sends people around you that you got to pray, Lord, I want to, I want to say it, <laughs> Lord. I need your help. Holy Spirit, I know. No, no, Holy Spirit, that's not you telling me to say it. Like, I, like, like that's, that's what he does. And so you've got to know that as God has you here planted in this church and growing and connected and serving, God's desire in your life is to develop you so that he can use you. There's some people that only you can reach in your neighborhood, on your job, in your apartment community, on your high school basketball or soccer team. And so God's desire, and that's what we're doing here, is to grow you and to mature you and develop you so that you have everything that you need to fulfill the assignment that God has upon your life. Here's the third question. I'm just giving it to you very quickly. The third question when you find yourself in seasons of trouble is, Lord, how can I glorify you through this? In the midst of this struggle, in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this anxiety, in the midst of this frustration, Lord, how can I bring, here's, here's a glorified, that's kind of a King James word, how can I make you famous? How can people see me in this situation, in my marriage, in my singleness, in my finances, um, it, with, you know, uh, dealing with perhaps the, the effect, lingering effects of the pandemic? Like, Lord, how can people see my life and get fame and you get the fame for what I'm going through? And here's what I want you to know. I believe, as we see in this particular text, that God will always provide you what you need to glorify him. He'll always make sure that you have all the resources that you need. The, the, he'll make sure you have the money that you need, the contacts, the relationships. He'll always make sure to have everything that you need to give Jesus glory. If that's good news, somebody say amen. amen. So bold faith trusts God in difficult circumstances. Bold faith encounters opposition, but we realize that opposition is always an opportunity for God to show himself strong. Here's number three. I'm landing my plane, coming in for a landing. So y'all should say, no, take your time. Y'all didn't do that. Okay, don't worry about it. Is that bold faith in verses 33 and 34, bold faith brings transformation. That bold faith brings transformation. One of the, the things that you'll notice in the gospels, you've got four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, I love the book of Mark um, because the book of Mark, you don't get a lot of details. If you ever kind of read through the book of Mark, 
it is just, it's quick. I mean, literally, there's no genealogies. There's not a lot of religious language because Mark is actually writing to a Gentile audience. So he's writing to people that, uh, man, they never went to temple or synagogue growing up. They're not familiar with all the religious language. And so literally it starts. And what Mark is trying to do in his gospel is he's trying to get to the cross. He's trying to get to the cross and the resurrection because what Mark is seeking to do in this particular book is he wants to demonstrate to his audience that Jesus is not just the God of religious people. He's the God of the universe. That's what he's seeking to do. So you read the book of Mark. <laughs> there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot of fluff. And so if there's detail in the book of Mark, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to the detail because again, Mark, he's moving quick. <laughs> and so it says in verse 34, uh, it says that Jesus heals this particular woman. She comes up and tells her story. Uh, there's fear and trembling. But it says in verse 34, it says, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. When we started this story, this woman is known by her issue. She's known by her affliction. She's known by the areas of her life that she's not dotted every I, she's not crossed every T. At the end of this particular story, she's known as daughter. Here's what I want you to know this morning. When you meet Jesus, he transforms everything. Amen? When you meet Jesus, you don't no longer have to dot every I and cross every T because he did that on the cross. You no longer have to feel that you are um, primarily known by your afflictions and your mess-ups and your mistakes and your past failures. You've got to know, as this woman received, that you're no longer a person that's identified by the things that are wrong. You're identified as a son or daughter of the king. He says, daughter, your, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. That's why I love, again, the mantra of this church is that this is a perfect place for imperfect people. Any imperfect people here? Any? Any people that don't dot every I, don't cross every T, you fall short, you miss the mark, you eat a lot at Thanksgiving, praise the Lord. Like, and I'm just so thankful that this is just this picture of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus lived the life that we could not live. He died the death that we deserve. He was punished for all of our mistakes, all of our sins, all of our mess ups. God pours out his wrath upon Jesus. But guess what? The story is so good that is when, when Jesus is buried in a rich man's tomb, here's how God shows himself off. He raises Jesus from the dead and he demonstrates his power over death, over Satan, and over disease and sickness. He, 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 uh, Jesus, here's again, that's not the end of the story. And that Jesus, he resurrects at this very moment, at this very moment, at 11, 19 a.m., Jesus, your savior, is sitting at the right hand of the father. Get this, he's enthroned. He is on the throne. He's bad and in charge. But guess what he also does for those who have placed their trust in him? He sends the spirit to indwell us so that you and I can live lives to his glory and his fame. That's not the end of the story. And that Jesus also promised that one day I'm gonna come back for my disciples. And he's going to come back and he's going to make all things new. Jesus brings transformation. That's good news. And so even in the midst of the world which we live in, which is broken, we can celebrate the fact that our Savior, who is at this very moment reigning on the throne, bad and in charge, has promised 
that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Let me just again give you this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I just hope this is an encouragement to you. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Somebody say, behold, behold, the new has come. That's good news. That's good news that at times I live in a world which likes to characterize me by the things that's wrong. But when I'm in Christ, I've received forgiveness. I've received the spirit of God. Uh, I've received adoption as son or daughter. And God's desire in your life uh, through the ministry of the spirit is to conform you to the likeness of his son. Local church, my desire really this morning is I want to pray really the truths of, of these uh, kind of characteristics over you. And at the same time, I want to celebrate uh, that we serve a God who is alive. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, here's what I want you to know, uh, that Jesus lived the life that you could not live. He died the death that you deserve. And, and I think for all of us as a church familia, we would love to see you take a step of faith and obedience. And, uh, and God, God will do what he did in the life of, of uh, this unnamed woman. He will use you. He will transform you. He'll forgive you. And uh, he will help you to live a life that only he can. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.